0: Go ahead and get started. <coughs> so, in light of, I, I know you've heard over the last few weeks that it's Foster Care Awareness Month. May- every May is Foster Care Awareness Month. And um, maybe you're curious why Refuge shares so much about foster care. Um, it's Honestly, not because we elevate foster care above any other sort of ministry or um, anything like that. Um, you know, uh, caring for one another and the, the importance of caring for one another, um, and that just the reality that we will be marked by our love for one another um, is so important. Without that, um, I really think the church like loses its whole testimony in a community. Right and then um our marriages and the people that you're living with like how you treat the people you're living with and and how you're conducting your most your closest relationships is um it's so important anything else if you only do good outside of your home and don't do good in your home it it's a false it's a false witness right and then um prayer and the breaking of bread together I've been so blessed through Story and Table and our times that we spent the last uh, month and a half even just praying. Um, I think it's fundamental for us existing as a church and in a community. Um, And um, serving and caring for the poor, the marginalized, the outcast, the widow, the immigrant, and loving the people that you work with. Like these are, that's how we live out Acts, right? That's how we continue what, we've, uh, what was started in Acts and live it out in our current context. And so foster care is just one of the ways that we are doing that. But the reason we mention it at Refuge all the time is because out of our 70 adults, 70, 80 adults in attendance here, 30 of them are involved in foster care ministry. And um, also we've been doing that for seven years. We've had a foster care ministry at Refuge for seven years and um, maybe eight now. Um, and so <laughs> we're always, we're always going to mention foster care. Um, I just hope that for you, whatever context you're listening um, to a day like today through, that you can apply it to your context. And um, y- no, nobody's asking you to <laughs> do something <laughs> necessarily um, or enter uh, a foster care uh, servanthood space. Um, but um, we as a church really do have a pathway for everyone to be participating in some way, Um, and uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit today. Um, So uh, Stephen Grothy and Drew Jones are going to share their experience with TRAC. Um, TRAC is a a uh, it's called Teen Reach Adventure Camp, and we are on our second year of holding track in Sonoma County. Um, track is an extension of uh, Royal Family Kids Camp that we've been doing for seven years, and um, it's a weekend away um, where uh, teenagers who have experienced foster care are invited to come, and we spend the weekend um, side by side with them, um, teaching them about the Lord, working through different challenges. Um, getting to know them, and um, as you'll hear through um, Drew and Stephen, sh- you'll you'll hear more through Dr- Drew and Stephen sharing. Um, one of the things about serving uh, this population of kids the last seven years, there's just there's so much that comes up when you go to camp. It's like going on a mission trip or something. Um, and, except that it's happening locally, and it's our kids, it's kids in our county. And I just want to share that um, b- participating in camps has been the catalyst that has, uh, it just has really shaped me, personally. And um, Drew and Stephen will share their experience, also. It's it's shown me the power of prayer. Um, anybody who's been on a missions trip, underst- I think, can see prayer through that lens of, like, Oh, that d- extreme dependency on God <laughs> and needing Him every moment, um, and and feeling completely out of your depths and I- uh, inadequate for your situation, and needing needing the Lord to be with you, um, and um, it's also shown me the power of prayer in just needing to know that God is with me <laughs> personally. Um, I've also yeah, uh, I've also witnessed how. Um, you know w- through camps we have people from four or five different churches that serve and so people from totally different backgrounds, kind of different uh, church communities, but each um, with the Holy Spirit and we've served alongside adults who uh, we wouldn't necessarily be friends with in normal normal everyday life and that's been incredibly stretching um, and it's it's so unique to um, serve in that capacity and see you know, the weaknesses and and faults in another adult and then also see the Lord use them and see their strengths and see them fight in prayer for you or have the Lord use them in your week at camp to just bless you in some way, some unexpected way or for you to be able to minister to them. Um, I've seen the gospel has become more real to me um, through camps. You know, it's one thing to come here side by side with you guys and talk about you know r- our, our work or raising our kids or um, financial problems or those kinds of things and and find hope, um, but it is another thing to talk to a kid who's living out the worst year of their life and and talk about how good God is. Um, how do you present how do you present God to somebody who 's really suffering and um, the the testimony of God becoming flesh to be with us in our pain and in our brokenness and in our hurt has been uh, just brought real to me through having those conversations of like, you know what, sometimes God doesn't ta- take away our situations or fix our pain or anything, but he promises he's with us. He always promises he's with us. So um, it's increased my own faith and, and made the gospel clearer to me. It's r- serving in this serving in this capacity and serving this population and serving people has made um, it's r- it's made me realize my own desperate need for grace, how quickly I can become full of my own ego and arrogance, or put my needs before others, um, and uh, how much um, how scary the, bro- the our broken world actually is. Uh, it's so much easier to avoid the realities of what's happening in other people's lives, um, the consequences of uh, drug addiction, the our educations, all of the things <laughs> that uh, the things that many kids face in the hardest, um, darkest parts of our culture and community. Um, it's much easier to go through days and I- ignore those things, and then um, seeing ordinary people used in extraordinary ways. So. Um, I'm so glad uh, Stephen and Drew are willing to share their experience. One of the joys of serving at camp is getting to watch people that we do normal life with, where they're raising their kids or doing work or just coming to church, um, be used in extraordinary ways uh, with kids and being pushed outside their comfort zone. It's nothing like seeing somebody do something hard for a few days that you know is stretching them and seeing them just show up moment by moment to it. So, without further ado, I know I could talk about my own se- self <laughs> all evening, uh, but I'm going to bring up Stephen. This was his first year um, serving at track, and I'll let him introduce maybe why he did that and whatever he wants to share. Stephen Grothy, everyone. <laughs>
1: Thank you, Britton. Hard to follow that up. Um, So my name is Steven. Um, I'll go ahead and start with what she asked, which is something you get asked a lot when you're at track: is why are you serving at track, or why are you serving with this group? But um, for me and my background, uh, growing up, one of our family friends, they had adopted tons of kids, fostered tons of kids. Um, Me and Jessica, in our early relationship, we would go on mission trip to Guatemala see a lot of kids that were uh, adopted or in the foster system there. And so it's something that's always been on our hearts and something we've always wanted to be involved with, but we're never in a place to be able to do that ourselves. And so when the opportunity came up to be able to serve at TRAC and to be able to give back in that way, um, we jumped on it. Um, So I was asked to share my experience at TRAC, um, which I'll summarize by saying it was probably one of the hardest emotionally and spiritually things that I've gone through But at the same time, something that's grown me so much more in my faith in God and my understanding of the gospel. Um, So I'll go ahead and start. We got there on Friday. And that Friday night, they did something where they gave each of us a card, each of us counselors. And this card was some information about the student that you were going to be paired with. Um, My kid, I was told, was extremely smart, extremely brilliant, but would be a challenge. And... um, I could tell from the reaction I got from other individuals, other counselors that had been there the year before that knew of this child that it was going to be a challenging weekend based off of their reactions. Um, So I went into it, prayed um, and when Saturday came around, the kids all came off the bus. All of us counselors were sitting there with signs and cheering, trying to get them all excited. A lot of the students came off the bus, you know, big smiles on their face, going up to their counselor, excited to see them again. When my student came off zero-eye contact, wanting to walk away from the crowd immediately. Um, So I was immediately from the first second trying to get them involved, get them engaged with everything going on. Um, And that was pretty much the first day, was just dealing with interactions of someone not wanting to engage, wanting to separate from the group, trying to say things uh, inappropriate to get a reaction out of you. And so i got to be honest, by the end of that first day, I was extremely uh, tired, and I was emotionally really spent, After doing that hour after hour, and we had some time alone uh, without the students before we went to bed. And I remember just being there in prayer and praying to God and being like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this weekend. Um, I don't know if I have the strength. I don't know if I have the ability to say what I need to say in those moments and to do what I need to do in those moments. And it was in that time that God reminded me of, in Ephesians 5, it says to be imitators of God. And I realized that it wasn't about Stephen needed to respond in a certain way, or Stephen needed to say the right things to this student, but just to treat him as Christ would treat him, just to serve him as Christ would serve him. And so I went with the mentality of then on, of, you know, regardless of what this student does, regardless of what he says, when those time comes, just pray, ask the Lord for strength, and respond as if Christ would in that moment. And so... I got to say that lesson of, you know, constantly putting yourself almost as if Christ was in your shoes and how he would respond to that person has been convicting even after camp. Um, I've been convicted at work and and thinking, okay, if Christ was here working in my place, would his work ethic be how I'm working? Would his attitude be how I'm, my attitude is at work? And am I leading and shepherding those that I've been placed under my responsibility as he led those placed under his It's been convicting me when I've been at home with Jessica, my wife. Do I serve her? Do I love her as Christ would serve her and love her? And probably most convicting for me is as a parent with how I lead my kids. I remember spending all weekend constantly thinking, how would Christ respond to him in this? How would Christ respond to him in this? And then within a couple of days of being home, my children were getting on my nerves. And when I'm stressed, sometimes I tend to raise my voice a little bit. And it was immediately convicting of that's not what Christ would do. Um, And I'm constantly being reminded and praying over the verse in James where it says, Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So that kind of summarized day one was that revelation of just treat this student as Christ would treat him in that moment, and that's the best you can do. So going into day two, um, God gave me a lot of opportunities to do this. Um, He would act out. He would start to tell me some inappropriate racist jokes, and then I would try to respond in a kind, compassionate way of, hey, that's not really that funny. Why don't you do a cleaner joke? Um, or he would try to disengage and beeline away from the group, and I would compassionately go to him and try to pull him back into the group and get him involved with the group activities and what we were doing. Um, but through those times, he started to slowly open up a little bit more, and I was able to see the The brilliant mind this kid has and how creative and how special he is as an individual and a creation of God. But through those times, um, I was able to see his love for ping pong and that he would play 24-7. And thankfully, there's a lot of other counselors and volunteers like Britton who would sit there and play ping pong with him as well. So that way I could get a break for a bit. Um, I would see him just watching the people off to the side playing chess. And I asked him, like, do you know how to play chess? And he was like, no. And I was like, what do you want to learn? And he said, yes. So teaching him how to play chess. We played many chess games, and again, he's brilliant. He picked it up after one game and beat me a couple of times over the course of the weekend. Um, but even through that time, he still didn't fully, wouldn't open up, wouldn't engage if we ever try to have a spiritual conversation, just didn't want to have it. So by the end of that day, I was kind of, you know, a little sad because throughout the day, I was seeing other counselors and the kids that they were leading starting to connect or maybe have deeper conversations about what they were going through or spiritual things and anytime I try to have conversations with them he just didn't want to have it and it really reminded me of when Jesus was looking over Jerusalem and he was weeping um, and he was weeping for them and it, it made me think of how often in my own life God has wanted to be there for me and I have not wanted his help or I wanted to do it on my own power and my own authority um, and how on a small scale, I was seeing that in this situation of me wanting to be there for this student, me wanting to connect with him and share his burden in any way I can't, and he wasn't wanting to help. Um, so in a small way, I was reminded of how Christ probably feels that about me on a daily basis um, when I don't come to him through the things that I face. But going into day three, I continue to see a little bit more progress with him. He would start to do, create eye contact with me, have short, minute-long conversations, um, And then he, once it started connecting, then he would make a joke or something like that that was inappropriate again. But through that time, it was just me constantly saying, how can I serve him? How can I help him? Um, One of the things I noticed from the early on was this student struggled sometimes doing very simple tasks, whether it was taking the cap off a pen or opening a package. Um, He struggled with that, and so I was just like, hey, how would Christ serve him in this way? And I would help him open the pen Um, or open the package without trying to make a big deal out of it, um, or make him feel bad for not knowing how to do it. But as the day three was going on, and as we were approaching the end of our being there, again, still felt sadness that he had never really opened up, and that he never um, wanted to have any of those conversations. And I was still trying to be faithful, and just treating him as Christ would treat him. Um, But I was saddened by that, and Two things kind of came to my mind when I was sitting there at the end of day three, kind of thinking over what was going on and him about to go home. And first, I was reminded of, of God's, you know, plan in that situation and him understanding the big picture that I don't. Um, you know, I was sitting there looking at all these counselors and their students kind of forming this relationship and this bond that I didn't have with mine. Um, but I also understood that with my career and, and job, I may not be here next year and I may not be able to serve and so if I did have one of those situations where I built a really strong relationship with this student, that might be harder for them if I'm not there next year. But secondly, it was reminded how in Corinthians, Paul was talking he says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. And ultimately reminded that even though I may not have had any deep spiritual conversations with this kid or be able to share um, and, and talk it with him through the trials and tribulations that he's dealing with in his life, I was still being faithful in the planting and in the watering or wherever God had me along that journey. Um, And as we were coming to the end of that third day, we were actually kind of all came to an end when we were playing a big group game at the end. And Caitlin had us take this ball of yarn and we'd throw it to one person and we'd kind of compliment on them on something that they were good at. And then they would throw it to someone else and so on. Well, I had the ball, so of course I threw it to my student, and I complimented him on how creative he was, how he could just draw anything, and it looked so realistic, just with a pen, and, and just how smart he was. And then we continued to, to play the game. Well, at the end, Caitlin switched it up and said, okay, now the ball's going backwards, and you're going to throw it to the person that threw it to you, meaning he was going to have to throw it to me. And so I was preparing in my mind for the joke or whatever he was going to say in that moment to try to make it awkward for everyone. And he took it, and he threw it to me, and he goes, Stephen is very helpful. And in that moment, it was uh, very real to me that even though no conversations may have been had, or me, I didn't get to share the gospel with him, he saw Christ's love through how I served him and helped him in the little things throughout that weekend and just being there for him. And so really, my challenge to... All of you guys, whether you're going to be serving next week at track, whether you're considering serving with foster care in any fashion, or just serving in any capacity of the church, even if it's teaching the youth or student ministry, is you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have the right thing to say in every situation. You just got to be willing to go where God leads you and ask him for his strength. And in the moment, treat them as God would treat them. Treat them as if Christ was there and how he would treat them. And then just be faithful to do your part in the planting and the watering. So that was a little bit of my experience. um, But now we'll turn it over to Drew.
2: So I know it's hard to kind of really picture what we do out there. But I just want to say, like, Stephen did an amazing job when it came to stepping up to the plate. After the first day, man, I just, like, <laughs> we had that meeting, and yeah, we were, we were praying for you, dude. <laughs> um, Britton, how long has, uh, there you are, uh, how long has RFK been in Sonoma County? So roughly nine years so we've been here f- it's been established for a while you know um my experience this year was a little different in that I didn't serve in a counselor role um I did what was called a facilitator and what we do is we uh, my wife and I we would set up these challenges for the kids to kind of have like team building um and also like develop uh skills of leadership and um and other things as well, and I think what I saw this year in my experience was fruit, which was it's so awesome, you know, we it's not uncommon, or er, um, I know that you guys have heard us like, man, it's a really tough week, we're just drained every time we go out there we really pour into these kids, we do countless hours of training um and we really try to make it so that they are uh, felt loved, they're felt safe, and that we make moments matter is one of our slogans. And uh, as Stephen talked about his kid, some are uh, a little bit more challenging than others. It's not uh, too. Man, I got dry mouth all of a sudden. <laughs> uh, it's not. Un- it's not like. Should um, say. But uh, he tried to like get away from all the challenges as much as he could. But the what was really awesome is seeing the fruit from the kids that have been with us for so many years. And he would have like these outbursts or these ticks that he had. And the kids just would let it roll off their so- shoulders because they've been able to see our character as well. And uh, and it was like the last day we were finally able to, I guess, convince him to uh, participate with us in those challenge courses. And the kids just like rallied around him. And I, what I see there is fruit from the many years that we've been trying to just pour into these kids, show them love, and... Um, yeah and it's it's really fruitful and that was my experience this year <laughs> sorry to cut it kind of weird but <laughs> uh okay are you okay if i transition okay you guys are probably wondering when's the sermon going to start <laughs> uh well we have a lot of announcements it's because our church is kind of um well let me let me go back to march 30th so March 30th, we had, like, what we called our family meeting, and uh, we tried to um, talk about, like, what what is refuge, what's our mission, and how are we fulfilling that? And, um, you know, it was a really good uh, discussion that we had, and uh, we came away with it just, like, I think juiced, man. I th- like, I felt, like, really confident that it was, like, a really good way that, uh, to bring us back. We're, like, serving in so many different ministries. And it, like, kind of, like, brought us together and, like, collectively um, got us to uh, focus, I should say. So Caitlin and I, uh, after that meeting, we, like, went home and we were discussing about it. We're, like, what is, what would be the vision of Refuge. And it was clear to us that through track, through RFK, and through the families that we're creating, it is youth. That is something that we've um, made it apparent that we're a uh, part of. <laughs> I'm getting lost here, I'm sorry. Okay. So that brings me that brings me to why I'm up here right now. We're gonna start doing this thing called student ministries. It's something that we actually are already doing on Sunday, but we decided uh, after um, John and I talking at coffee that we should start doing a midweek service for kids on Tuesday from seven to eight thirty and um it's going to be led by myself and Caitlin as well by my side. Um, and part of what, why I'm up here is because I feel like before I can, um, before I can. Uh, sorry, John. I'm getting super lost up here. <laughs> it's 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 tough doing public speaking, you guys. I don't know why it's just all these eyes on me, it just like, and I know all of you, but it doesn't matter, it's like as soon as I get a mic on my, in my hand, and people are staring at me, I get flustered, and and they're so quiet, (laughs) and it's not dark, so I can see all of your faces, I don't know. (laughs) Okay, so I think it would, I think I've been praying about a time to be able to do this, And I think the moment is now where I share a little bit of my testimony and how I became a Christian. And it's important for me to be able to share this with you guys because you need to know who I am and where I came from. um, And, like, that way you know why I love doing youth ministry so much. So <coughs> so I didn't grow up in a Christian home. It was uh, my mom and two kids, so my, myself and my sister. And uh, she did a good job of, like, incorporating us into different churches and stuff like that. But it wasn't really uh, something that we would say. We wouldn't say that we were Christians. And um, so I lived my life just kind of how, however I wanted to. And then at the age of 19, I started going to a church called Windsor First Baptist. Uh, Now it's called Windsor Christian Church. And um, it was there where I, like, actually started to wrestle with the faith. And one big hang-up that I had was um, Jesus himself. And the pastor just, like, kept talking about, like, how Jesus is God. And that really— struck a chord with me kind of bothered me for some reason and so uh, I started doing like some more research and looking into like all the uh, major religions and a common thread that they all had was that they would speak about Jesus somehow and I thought that was kind of interesting because why would like Buddhism care about Jesus you know and uh, so I would pray to God and be like yeah god can you just tell me what the truth is is what i would ask him and and it was odd because then all of a sudden like i would just have like christians surrounding me and i would work at coffee shops and um i would be talking to someone behind the bar and they would just be like yeah i go to this church or something like that and it was just very fascinating that like all of a sudden like christians were showing up in my life and um so I kept praying about it and I was going to Windsor First Baptist and uh I was really enjoying it but I just couldn't get over that part of the Christian doctrine is that Jesus is God. So I thought that was kind of that was really my hang up. And so there was one Sunday when I was about to uh go to church. I was getting ready. Uh, I'm 19 years old. Uh and um I get this really strong like feeling inside of me to stay home, and I thought that was really weird, and so I just, like, continued to get ready, and, uh, it always makes me cry, so if you guys see me cry, uh, so, so as I'm getting ready, I'm, like, walking down a, a flight of stairs so I can walk out my apartment, that, that feeling just got, like, super strong, and so I was, like, okay, I guess I'm staying home. I don't know why. So I uh <clears throat> so I went back to my room and I, I prayed. I was like, I was like, God, just tell me who Jesus is. And um I just want to know who Jesus is. So so I went on to Windsor First Baptist's website, and I clicked a sermon at random. I didn't see what the passage it was on. I didn't see who the uh, speaker was. And uh, so, and I just listened, and it was um, it was Lance Wallace. He was uh, speaking on uh, John one, and how Jesus is part of the Trinity. And um, and I swear, it's just like when that sermon ended, it was like just a snap of a finger it was so quick but I just knew immediately that that was God speaking to me and it was weird because it was also like my room was just so quiet and so like I'm in my room I'm crying (laughs) I I just said I'm sorry and uh, and after that day I knew three things Um, I don't know yeah, anyway, so I, I knew three things. I know that Jesus was who he says he is, that he's God incarnate, son of God, that the Bible is the word of God. Um, and then another thing was that I knew somehow I was going to serve the church. Um, I didn't really know at the time, obviously, and then also just because of my lack of experience with the church, I initially thought that meant pastor. And so I like started like looking into it. I didn't really know what that meant. And so like as a year or so goes by, I uh, I'm going to church. I'm loving it. It's a good time. And I get my phone uh, blown up by a guy named Aragon Wyatt. He just starts calling and texting me. And uh, so I connect with him, and he um, he tells me about youth ministry, junior high ministry at that church and he asked me if I wanted to be a part of it, and I said, sure, and I, it was, you know, I just knew that that was what God had for me at that time. Um, I thought, you know, in my ignorant mind, I thought it would be a pastor, but this is, this felt right, so, so I served that ministry for about five years. I was specifically in a junior high ministry. Um, I did some high school, and The role that I filled was just youth leader. I would help with uh, putting on live music for the kids. I would do some teaching and then I would also do games as well. Um, So I did that about five years and then uh, I was single for a bit and then I met a girl. (laughs) And as we got to know each other uh, we like talked about like how important church was to us, but then also how important kids were to us as well, because at the time, Caitlin was working or serving in Iwana and she was also serving your kids at the Fifth Street for uh, Children's Ministry, and so when we, uh, you know, really developed our relationship, we knew that that was going to be something that we would do together, we were going to do that was a different question because I was just so plugged in with Windsor First Baptist and she was also just really rooted here with refuge. And so I was praying about it and once again God answered a prayer and told me or made me confident that this was going to be the church for both of us. Um, And when I brought that up to Windsor, I had some uh, I had some people that were not happy about it because I was so um, plugged in. But then I talked to Aragon and he gave me some great advice. He was basically, to summarize, he said, you could stay here at Windsor and we can do youth ministry together. You're established like, and you'll have a, a good ministry here. Or you can go to Refuge and serve a need that they might not have at the moment. And after talking to him, it was just solidified that this was gonna be the church for me and Caitlin. So fast forward, John and I met for coffee after our family meeting. And I was not planning on talking about student ministries at all. I actually wanted to talk to you about like the time of service. (laughs) it's all good man we can still have that conversation (laughs) and you know it was obviously the lord because we just we talked about uh our experiences with kids and how we just we love this age group and we want to be able to build them up and uh serve jesus and and so we agreed that it was the right time to start doing a midweek service for junior high and high school. So, so we're doing it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so let's just talk about logistics. So I, I will be leading it along with uh, our elders helping me and my wife, Caitlin, as well. It's going to be Tuesday nights from 7 to 8.30, and it's uh, junior high and high school combined. Um, the structure is going to be very much like what I did at Windsor First Baptist, where we have uh, a social time, and then we play a game. We come back and do some musical worship, and then it's going to be teaching. Um, I feel like I missed like a really big point. So, yeah. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna do teaching, obviously. And what we're gonna start with is the doctrine in the back of the ESV Bible. And this brings you back to what me and John talked about at coffee. One thing that we were really passionate about, and what we wanted to do for these kids, is to make sure that they were equipped before they became 18 with uh, a solid biblical foundation and knowledge. And then we also wanted them to have some ownership. We wanted this to feel like this was their church as well. Um, Caitlin can speak on this much better than I can because I didn't grow up in the church, but what I saw in junior high is that many times kids would uh, go off to college They would go to church, and they would remember what they experienced at their previous church. And they remember all the great events, the big conferences that they would go to, and all the games. And then they would go Sunday morning, and then they're hit with, like, the service of a sermon and sitting in a pew, no games. And they wouldn't feel like it was, you know, it wasn't really their own because it didn't match the experience that they had previously. And so John and I thought about it, and one way that we're going to help these kids is that we're going to have them uh, participate in service as well and in different ministries. Um, And then we're also, just side note, we're also going to give them their own section within the, the sanctuary here it really just solidifies that th- th- this is also their church. And um, and then when they become 18, they will know what it feels like to be fed from the body, that they uh, have experienced service, just like the church is supposed to do. And, um, yeah. So, And if you guys have any questions, I'll be here.
1: <laughs> Thank you.
3: Sometimes it does just kind of feel like you guys are staring at us up here. I mean, I guess you are kind of just staring at us. That's true. And like, if you were all talking at the same time we're talking, that would be kind of awkward, right? Kind of. Sometimes you are all talking. Sometimes not <laughs> Sometimes I'm up here and I'm like, are they are they paying attention? They're all on their phones. They're all on their phones. They're not paying attention. All right. Um that's a lot. A lot of announcements, good things. Next week, um wh- is it eleven? We were talking about this earlier. Eleven people from refuge will be going to truck camp. That's that's a good percentage of you guys. That's a lot of people. So I just wanted to I'm going to read a read a passage. And I'm going to talk for a few minutes about some of that and then it just the the reality of of uh being a gospel presence, being a on mission to students and young people is near and dear. I think it, it is it's important that we realize that it's a part of who we are. Our more than half of our population is under 18. And a lot of them are like, within the next couple years, going to be in high school. And so from within our population here at Refuge, it's, it's a lot of young people. And then outside in our community, there is droves of young people that are confused and looking for truth. And we, we have something to offer. We have truth. We have the good news of a real person named Jesus who is also, as Drew was talking about, God and has all authority and all power and all the questions and confusions and the things that they face, Jesus has already dealt with. And is, is equipping us to deal with. As I was thinking even for this week, thinking about these two guys and Britain and the eleven of you that are gonna go this next week, and then again for RFK, and then just I mean honestly, thinking about the way that we engage, the way that we serve, I mean, even think school teachers, the way that we're out outward facing with even specifically young people. The passage that we looked at a few weeks ago in Acts has just stood out to me. Um, It's in Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Peter and John are are standing before the court. They're being threatened. And this is what they say. This is how Luke says this. Luke says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men they were astonished. But seeing uh, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. And they saw a man standing next to them who was healed. That part though right there they recognized that they had been with Jesus. That's what I, I, I my hope for us tonight is we hear these stories and we talk about student ministries and finding a way to engage young people with the gospel. This is what it takes. Do they recognize that you have been with Jesus? Is there something unique and marked about your life, the way that you talk, the way that you engage, the way that when the world is crumbling and finances are crumbling and everything's going to wherever, that you have hope, that you are marked by something beyond yourself, confidence, trust in a power that's outside of you, in a supreme God who has all authority and all power, Can they see, can they sense that you have been with Jesus? Peter and John were, the words here, uneducated common men. Normal, everyday guys. What was unique and what was different is that they had been disciples of Jesus. They had practiced the way of Jesus. They had spent time with him. They had sat at the master's feet, listened to his parables and his stories. They had given themselves to the word of God and prayer. Normal, everyday men. But they had been with Jesus. It doesn't take superstars. This is, I said this last week. It, it, this is going to come up again and again throughout Acts, that it's not necessarily always the superstar apostles, the famous ones that are doing the stuff. Often, it's everyday disciples. It's the regular people from within the church that are doing the stuff. Jesus said, remember, that greater works y- will you do. Ordinary people filled with the Spirit can do extraordinary things. And that's my hope, that's my prayer, even as we go into this next week with track, as we look at student ministries, as we look for ways to engage the broader culture around us with the good news of the gospel is that ordinary people filled with the Spirit, spend time with Jesus, can do extraordinary things. So I want to take a minute and pray for those who are going to track next week. So what we're going to do is, if you guys, if you're going to track next week, just go ahead and stand up. So I know there's some of you in the room. My guess is that there's others that are probably serving in kids' classes right now because the reality is there's a lot of kids. So if you can look around, there's people here in the room that are going. I'm just going to ask that you, like, turn towards them or go sit next to them and put your hand on their shoulder. Um, So this is the part where you get involved. You join us in praying because this is your job as members of the body of Christ. We do this together. And that's not weird, I promise. And this is one, one of the things that I think is so encouraging, even with Drew's story. Internally here, we all get to partner alongside these guys. So as they're going and possibly going to have a, a long weekend, we get to stand alongside them in partnership for the gospel, we get to be there with them as we support them in prayer. That's what even intercession means. That's to stand in the gap alongside them. So let's just put your hand on their shoulder and let's pray. Father, I just thank you for this ministry, for Teen Reach Adventure Camps, for Track, and for the 11 people from within our family here that are going and committed to serving these young people. God, we ask that you would come on them in a mighty way. That they that there would be a tangible noticeable difference about this community. That they would be marked as ones who had been with Jesus, that they had spent time with him. God, I ask that you would anoint them, that you would give them energy, that you'd give them fresh vision and uh, just a passion to love on these kids as if they were Jesus. That they would reflect the Master, that they would resemble Jesus to these kids. And Father, we do ask that along with that, that you would give them words of truth and words of grace. That the gospel would be prevalent on their speech. That they would find ways to tell the story of a resurrected Messiah who changed the course of human history. God, that we would Represent that story well, that we would tell it over and over and over again, that it would come out in our conversations even when we don't mean it to. God, that you would be on our lips, that the name of Jesus would be proclaimed. And God, even as we begin to continue the conversation of student ministries, God, that we would internally and outside that we would raise up disciples of Jesus to continue this work to be on mission and partnership with you Jesus we thank you amen amen just to encourage you to be praying for these guys praying for those that are going to track, but also those who are involved in in, in uh, ministry to students, high school, junior high students. I think with that, we're going to, the band can come up and we can close in some worship. All right. Jesus, we love you and we bless you. God, I thank you for the, Just the testimony of these two guys tonight and Britton, the testimony of your real active involvement in their lives. God, I ask that that would stir up faith and hope in us, that we would be provoked, even.